game is so beautiful, you know. Come play. The page dynasty is the newest rage. Maybe you've played, maybe you've made a trade. Played list, and now these fish are all up on ya. I mean, you won three ships, they wish they had your. So, this is it. You wanna learn the game. 101 pick when it hits, you feel no pain. Praying for the fantasy championship. Hit the books, kid. Read this pamphlet called the Owner's Manual. It's automatic D- dynasty. It, it's automatic owner's manual. It, it, it's automatic D- dynasty. It, it's automatic. <laughs> and here are your authors: Chris Allen and A- A- Adam Wildy. All right, everybody, and welcome back. This is episode 29 of the Dynasty Owners Manual podcast. I'm the co-host, Chris Allen, and we're here, and we've got maybe an hour or so left before the Thursday night game kicks off. But before we get into the Week 13 games, the week before uh, everybody gets into the, the playoffs and whatnot, we wanted to sit down and actually have a discussion about the Dynasty aspect of getting into the Fantasy Playoffs. So in order to do that, of course, I've got my co-host with me tonight, Adam Wildy, and then of course we brought in our guy, uh, Chris Swoboda of the Dynasty Happy Hour. I was actually able to sit down and have a few drinks and uh, get into a little bit of trade negotiations with Chris. Uh, we all met up down in Cincinnati a few weeks ago, and then uh, I know folks probably saw him over with uh, the fellas over at, uh, at the open bar uh, maybe a couple weeks ago. So I know he's a man of the people and all around Twitter. So, Chris, thank you for sitting down with us tonight. And uh, how you doing, brother? Oh, dude, I am doing great. That was quite the introduction. I appreciate that. Very happy to be here. All right. He's man. good at this. Oh, no. I, I, I try my best to make the, make the guests feel right at home before we wind up grilling them with a bunch of questions. Uh, so as, uh, as I alluded to in the intro real quick, tonight we really wanted to get into the dynasty aspect of the playoffs since we are heading into that type of season. We're heading into the uh, the last bit of the fantasy season, so we wanted to talk about the playoffs and whatnot. So, Adam, I mean, what I know we're going to turn things over for you tonight, have you kind of lead the charge uh, tonight. So first off, how you doing? And then what are we talking about tonight? I'm doing great, man. So what we wanted to talk about tonight is I'm sure everybody's been listening to the waiver podcasts all week. And uh, let's say fantasy footballers, you know, they're fun to listen to and they got you right for the week. Um, so we're not so much trying to get you ready for the playoffs as much as we are kind of giving advice and, and strategy that we've heard, that we agree with, that we disagree with, overall discussing what you can do to kind of guarantee your success for the playoffs. Because, you know, in the season you you lose a game here and there by five points, and it's like, oh, that sucks, but, you know, it's week five. Well, now everything matters. I mean, it matters a lot. Austin Eckler might take you to a championship. If you told me that at week eight, you know, you're not really going to, Give, pay too much mind to it, but that's the type of thing that happens at this point in the season. You know, your Austin Eckler, your Josh Adams, you know, those guys really matter right now. So we're going to get into all kinds of stuff like that, but just keep in mind, we're really talking strategy today. We're not so much telling you who to go out to get, who to trade for. Honestly, by the time the podcast is out, that's probably going to be too late anyways. What we really want to do is if you're out of the playoffs, keep this in mind for next year. If you're in the playoffs, you still have time to implement some of these things. So I'm just going to pose the topics and we're going to talk to the Chris's about how they feel about the topics. If you agree with them, if you disagree, if you've implemented it, you know, anything like that. And really what we want to talk about first is defensive leagues, which a lot of us aren't in anymore. I'm not in much defensive leagues, but of course my redraft leagues are all defensive. I have a few IDP, so that really matters. But Really what we want to talk about right now is getting your defense for weeks prior because if it's in season, you're carrying one quarterback, one tight end, and one defense. You're not going to waste a roster spot on that. But now, I mean, I don't want to drop Royce Freeman in week 12, right? But week 13, you know, that's someone you might drop for that second defense that has that awesome week 16 matchup. So, Swoboda, what do you think about getting your defense ahead of time or even – Supporting defenses, as we'll talk about a lot today. Yeah, like like you said, I don't. We don't have that many leagues that use the defense anymore. But I am in two that I can think of right now. 
um, two weeks ago, I went and added two two more defenses on each of them um, in a way to kind of hoard, peek ahead at the schedules a little bit, see what was going on, but just to make sure that nobody else uh, could get ahead of me on getting some of these nice defensive streamers. Yeah, I think that's the. I think that's really the key here when it comes to doing that is that you almost have to take the a lot of the redraft tips of looking ahead, and, and you can apply the same thing to dynasty. And I'm I'm with both of you guys. The the three or four dynasty leagues that I'm in this this season, they don't have the defensive position. There were a couple that I were in uh, last year that still held on to those. But yeah, you can still apply the same process. You do want to try and take a look at you know what's going on in week 14, uh, 14, 15, 16 throughout the playoffs, and try and see if you can play those matchups optimally such that you're prepared to have one of the better defenses going into it. And I mean, just off the top of my head, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think the, the the Lions. I know they've got like a couple of decent matchups in a couple of weeks. Uh, the Broncos, obviously. Uh, the, I think even the Redskins, if I'm not mistaken, have a uh, have a few good yep. matchups. So I mean, those are just a few off the top of my head. Ideally, they should be out on the waiver wire, and also ones that you could use like throughout the playoffs that would have those matchups that you're looking for. At the very least. Uh, if they're not going to be the ones that go off and get you uh, a bunch of points a la the, the Jaguars of 2017, it's more of they're the ones that you could that will provide you a solid floor and have that potential in order to hit some of the, the some of the, that ceiling potential as well. So it's got a it's got a mix, you know, so you can feel comfortable walking into it. It's not like you're going to be starting. Uh, I don't know. The 49ers defense, so you're just completely left out in the cold and having to pick up some defense that has an awful matchup. I mean, you can you can actually put them into your lineup with some with some level of confidence. Yeah, and just real quick, when I was uh, researching for this episode, did you guys know that Pittsburgh has the number four defense on the year, at least in ESPN scoring? I wouldn't have guessed it. I mean, but if I'm if I'm thinking about it now, I guess now that you said it, I guess it kind of makes sense. If they haven't limited uh, limited teams, because I'm trying to think of a time where they just got blowed out. Like I just can't think of a game where they just got I mean completely smoked. So I mean, at the very least, I can think that they've been limiting most offenses to I mean around 20 points or less. And then at the at the same time, I know that the, uh, especially over the last four weeks or so, they've been blitzing at such a high rate, they've been able to pick up a number of sacks. I'm, I'm thinking back to, what was it, that Thursday night game where they completely just wrecked Cam Newton. Uh, so, uh, right, yeah, right. And they go out up getting that uh, that interception for uh, for a touchdown and, you know, and all, all that. So Ooh, That I helped. Mean, and one big week yeah. will really propel you. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't think it's been, I just can't think of it as being such a more of a constant thing where you would always want to play the Pittsburgh Steelers defense, but I can see it like over the you know, over the entire season. I guess it kind of makes sense now that you mention it. Sure, and their playoff schedule is not great, so I ended up not picking them up where they were available, but it was weird to see that four and not want to pick them up. For example, real quick before we move on to defense, this is a pretty easy subject and a good one to warm up on. I, I have the Bills, and, you know, they're playing Miami this week. That's pretty solid matchup. But then they also have the Jets in Detroit, so week 14, week, week 15, solid matchup. Well, week 16, I picked up the Colts because they're playing against the Giants. So that's two teams right there. But then I also dropped John Brown to pick up the Jaguars, and I understand they're ranked 19 on the year now, but they have some decent matchups at the end of the year, and I still think it's a quality defense. So, you're going to learn during this episode. I think I might be considered kind of ruthless on some of these topics. I'm not opposed to you owning four defenses if that means somebody else can't play a defense with a quality matchup. Yeah, and I think when it comes to these types of plays, one, and I know that we, we were discussing, all three of us were discussing this off air before we got started, but make sure that as you're making some of these moves that you're not breaking any of the bylaws of your league. So while they might be considered to be quote-unquote dick moves like when it comes to doing them, if as long as you're playing within the rules of your league, I mean, you, you're playing to win, right? I mean, you're trying to take, right. down, you're trying to take down the league and bring home a championship. So you do what you got to do, but, I mean, yeah, for some of the things that we might be, with some of the methods we might be discussing, some of them might be, you know, like you just mentioned, like hoarding defenses so nobody can, can uh, you know, can pick up some of those optimal defenses and then dropping them at the last minute. I mean, totally get, get behind that. Just make sure that, again, you're not breaking any rules in order to do that. 
and like you said, we're not picking up the 49ers or anything like that. Don't mm-hmm. go pick up 16 defenses. But if there's three and you really don't want to decide right now which one has the best matchup, a lot can change in two weeks. Someone's quarterback to get hurt. I have no problem going into the playoffs with three. Now, this next one we discussed a little bit with Swoboda beforehand because it's kind of a foreign concept and it only applies to some leagues and it's certainly frowned upon, but we're not part of the ethics committee here. If it's legal and you're trying to win, I think it's perfectly fine in my opinion. Uh, Your commissioner might have to amend the bylaws next year and that's fine. I mean, if you win a championship and then he amends the bylaws and you can't do that next year, there you go. But the next one is picking up and putting down. And what that is is dropping players to waivers so that they can't be claimed. You can pick them up, you drop them, they can't be claimed. I think this is probably the worst of everything we're going to discuss. But since it's fresh to you, Swoboda, I want to hear what your opinion on that is. I have heard of it before, but honestly, I've never really seen it implemented. Um, So when you said it was going to be brought up, I I really had to think about it. Because honestly, it's a subject that I don't have a lot of familiarity with. And like I was telling you guys... I was going through the leagues that I'm in in my head, and a lot of my leagues are set to where if you drop a player, he goes straight to free agency and, and doesn't go through waivers. So it wouldn't really apply there. But, yeah, there are some of my leagues that, where players go on waivers at least for a day. Even then, it would be hard unless you did it on Saturday. But, yeah, um, of all the things we're discussing, um, this is one I probably agree with the least as far as ethical, but it does it work. I can understand how it will work too. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. I mean, when it comes to uh, the one that would really make me mad, like I'd be tilting so hard <laughs> if I if I logged in thinking like, oh, you know, I'm gonna try and I'm gonna try and pick up these players or whatever. I'm gonna you know I'm gonna have to take a long yeah. shot. I mean, Sammy Watkins is still isn't practicing, so let me see if Chris Conley is still out there on the waiver wire. And you come in and not only. Is he there on the waiver wire? But he's uh, like got that little W sitting next to his name because he's stuck on yep. waivers or he's locked and you can't even pick him up. And it's just like, and you go to the transaction log and you see he was just picked up and dropped. And then it's just like, <laughs> yeah. what is going on here? I would be so upset to, to see that. But again, if there's no rule against it, I mean Correct. that might you know that might be something that you might have to do. Actually, in a couple of redraft leagues uh, that I'm in this season, I've seen some guys do that. And I've actually mm-hmm. I've, I've done that to somebody that forgot to pick up a backup quarterback when their quarterback was on by. Right. So I just exactly. wound up cycling through a couple of the, it wasn't like all of the quarterbacks, but it was just a couple of the higher end streamers. I just picked up and dropped him, picked up and dropped him, and then they wound up uh, actually that backfired on me because they wound up picking up Nick Mullins the night the, his oh, very no. first night. And I was like, oh, you know, hey, you know, I picked up and he's just stuck playing Nick Mullins, so I'm good. Well, 23 (laughs) points later, um, yeah, that didn't really work out. I mean, I had Cam in that league, so I I still wound up winning uh, at least the the quarterback matchup. But I was still, like, looking at that that point differential on Thursday night, like, what did I just do? Probably outscored some of the guys that you locked out. Yeah, I was like, "How did this just happen?" I just like I just pointed him right in the you know along the best path in order to win, but it was still so tilting. So it can work. I mean, optimally, you would want to do that anyway, right? You'd want to point them towards the the worst possible matchup. So it was, but it was still I couldn't believe that actually happened. Yeah, so to get into the practical application of it, and I will say I'd be embarrassed to do it. I mean, if I won that way, I'm not going to lie, I would be embarrassed, but I've seen it done on numerous occasions. You mentioned the Sammy Watkins thing actually is what I saw on Twitter this year. In the past, it's happened to me. I forget who got injured, but my quarterback got injured later in the week. I mean, just like Kessler just tore his ACL and we get to see the Blake again. Wait, is that a real thing? I saw that earlier and I thought that was a fake report. I hope it's fake because I had to pick up Kessler where I needed a quarterback, but we can confirm during the show. But let's pretend Cody Kessler tore his ACL and you needed to play him. Well, pick up his backup, which is the starter in that case, but you pick him up and you drop him, and then you can pick up whoever you wanted to pick up in the first place, but they can't go pick up that backup. So that's the practical application of it so you understand what we're talking about. You could do that with multiple players. Like you said, Chris Conley, uh, Sammy Watkins was questionable, so obviously the guy's going to find out close to game time that Sammy Watkins isn't going to play. It's a Monday night game. There's no other options except for Sammy Watkins' backup. Well, he's got that big W next to his name, so you're not picking up Chris Conley. You're going to pick up whoever their 
sixth string is that I can't think of right now. So that's picking up and putting down. That's another strategy you can implement to try to win right now. Here's a more interesting one and one that we're going to have a lot more fun talking about because I really haven't heard anyone talk about it, but I've done it in the past. This is trading within a tier for a better playoff schedule. This is why tiers are so important, and we've talked about it on so many episodes, and I do rank for DHH, and I I wish that we had tiers because of this, because it's really like, if you really make me pick between Kamara and McCaffrey or Kamara and Saquon, I'm not going to be happy about it. (laughs) Any given day, you might pick any of the three, you know? But for the sake of this segment, um, let's say Kamara has an absurd schedule the last three games, just amazing. I mean, he's got Atlanta and the Giants and then San Francisco to finish it off. And then Christian McCaffrey just happens to have three really tough matchups to finish the year. Well, if they're in the same tier, what that is saying is that you're okay with any of these three players. You're going to be equally happy owning McCaffrey, Saquon, or Kamara. Well, you could go to that Kamara owner that likely values McCaffrey more than Kamara. I mean, if if they rank McCaffrey higher than Kamara and you get Kamara back and you have that Gucci schedule to finish out the year that's going to get you a championship, okay, I own Kamara instead of McCaffrey. So in theory, it works best with the, the higher ranked you go is when it works the best. But, I mean, you can go all the way down the list. You can do this with the Alshon Jeffries of the world. What do you think about this process, Woboda? And uh, also, would you be comfortable with this? I mean, are you afraid that it's going to blow up in your face? No, I wouldn't be scared to do anything like this because, like you said, all these players are so closely related. This is something I would actually be aggressively attempting. I can't think of any particular scenario where I've done this recently because I'm pretty happy to where my teams are set. But in the scenario you mentioned, if it took, you know, offering Christian McCaffrey and even maybe a little sweetener to give incentive to switch to Kamara, who has the very cushy schedule, hypothetically. I'm going to assume that with the cushy schedule and the playoff victories that come with it, that Kamara will also get a value bump, and maybe McCaffrey will get a slight value drop with his not-so-cushy schedule. Um, And you could win in more ways than one, not just winning a league, but also winning in value, and perhaps maybe going to the McCaffrey owner later on in the offseason and getting a McCaffrey plus-plus to get uh, McCaffrey back and send Kamara back. Now here's a question for you guys then. So in your in the trade negotiations if you were trying to do something like that, would you I'm I'm assuming that you would have to couch the negotiations in that manner, right? You would almost have to approach it like, "Hey, uh, I know that uh, like I'm trying to make a push or I can see that you're trying to make a push." So how about, you know, because of the upcoming schedule, like you would have to address the playoff schedule like off the bat, right? Because there's no really way to kind of work around it. Now, that goes back to a lot of the psychology episodes we've talked about, and you can approach it many different ways. I'll tell you how I approach it. I would just be open about it, and I would throw a – I mean, I would try to throw like an Adrian Peterson on top of it or something like that. It depends the situation. I mean, if they're not contenders and you are, I mean, throw them a bone at, at a guy that's on the come up. You know, someone that might have been even on your taxi squad or, or something like that. Throw them an Edo Smith or something like that. That's understandable. They're not going into the playoffs. Maybe they valued McCaffrey over Kamara anyways. So you could say, hey, I don't know how you feel about McCaffrey versus Kamara, but Kamara's got this great playoff schedule and you're not in the playoffs. How would you feel about me giving you McCaffrey and Edo Smith for Kamara? If I'm on the other end of that and I need to rebuild, sure, yeah, I'd, I'd probably do that i like kamara more than most but in this scenario yeah i'd probably do that yeah i think i can get behind that i think it's just at least for me when i look at that when i look at that type of deal and i know we keep circling around the uh mccaffrey and kamara but hell even if we're talking about uh, something something akin to the Devonte adams trade that you were talking about like uh, before we started the show or even if you were trying mm-hmm. to trade for uh, trade for Devonte Adams or something like that. Uh, you know, an asset that you know has a uh, that's 
uh, wide receiver one or RB one or heavily targeted within their team, and also has at least uh, the opportunity and situation like during the playoff stretch that you would want to acquire them and have them on your team. So I can get behind that, I guess. Yeah, but I, just like we were talking earlier about practical application, uh, I think for this, yeah, trying to lean on some of those negotiation tactics where you just come right out and say like, hey, this is the situation where. If you're trying to make a push, you can use that as, as an advantage to say that, hey, you, you would want this type of player on your roster because you know that with the upcoming schedules, this is the leverage that you can use in order to acquire that player or to sell them away in order to pick up some, some picks or, or, you know, or whatever, or some extra draft equity in the, in the 2019 or whichever season that you're talking about, that type of thing. All right, yeah, so you alluded a little bit to the kind of rebuilding team trading to the contender team kind of there. So if you had the, the McCaffrey example and it was a rebuild and you're just acquiring extra players, sure, Kamara and Ida, you got to get Ido and you don't take any value loss at, at Kamara. And honestly, the further you go down in rankings or the further you go down in tiers, the easier this is going to be because the two people are likely to not agree on that. So if you think that you would prefer – say Calvin Ridley to Jarvis Landry well say you have Calvin Ridley but Jarvis Landry has a great schedule within the year you might just be like hey man I'll give you Calvin Ridley for Jarvis Landry that might work but then another one that we can talk about uh skipping ahead a little bit is when you're out of the playoffs you need to do just as much work as people that are in the playoffs so I thought it would be a good segue into the next segment which is trading away your I don't want to say vets because in this case it isn't really a vet. I mean, trading away talent, really. Trading away vets, trading away talent, trading away anything for a haul right now because people need players right now. You know, when the when the dollar signs get right in front of your face and they're that easy to see, people are going to throw you that extra bone. So in this case, me and Swoboda got a trade done and we have a kind of funny backstory to it, but the deal entailed Devontae Adams and I included Zay Jones and Vernon Davis because it's a cap league and they were cap casualties. It wouldn't have worked. And in return, I got Miles Gaskin, Damian Harris, Bryce Love, Devonta Freeman, and all of his rookie money for last year. It's a pretty solid haul. It does suck losing Devontae Adams. Now I have Keenan Allen and they're kind of in the same range for me where I want to build around those guys. So that made it a little bit easier for me, but that was a big player to lose but I wasn't going to the playoffs until I was. We found out later after the trade that I did, in fact, actually make the playoffs by basically a miracle. Uh, But fortunately, I won the first week and I'm moving on and I got $40 from it. So, you know, I got to rebuild and get $40 and most people don't. But I want both of you to touch on how do you go about having a losing team right now? Because I tell you what, a lot of people have checked out by week 10 when they know that they're not getting into the playoffs. Are you looking to make these deals to get these big returns or make sure you get rid of the Adrian Petersons of the world, Swoboda? Well, yeah, it really depends on the situation. But as a whole, if I'm going to check out on a season, I'm going to check all the way out. If I And I'm going to probably do it way sooner than this. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell anything that scores points outside of the very, very top tier of players that we were talking about. So if you score points and you're on my team and you're not Devontae Adams or uh, Saquon Barkley, then you're probably not going to be on my team in four weeks. Um, I want that draft position. I want all the equity I can get. Um, But if I'm deciding that my chances are grim or non-existent at a playoff, then you may catch my team with Ezekiel Elliott, you know, Odell Beckham and waiver wire players. And that may be it. And I may have 20 draft picks because I don't want to be middle of the pack. That's like the worst place to be, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm completely with you there. And uh, actually, because we're, well, I mean, we're all in the same league together, the Rotten Tomatoes League. I was in a similar situation where, I mean, Chris and I, we were trying, we were going back and forth for, for a little bit. Uh, because I did find myself in that position where it's like you know my my team was in a in a you know downward spiral and you know I wanted to try and make a move and we were 
you know, trying to figure out a way for me to move Adam Thielen, but we just do, we just couldn't come to an agreement, at least in terms of you know, what I was willing to deal away, knowing that I wanted to rebuild versus the player that he was trying to uh, he was trying to deal away uh, because he was, I was looking to give up Thielen, he was looking to give up Juju, and we just couldn't make it work. But I mean, the process, or at least the the idea that yeah, if you are in that losing position, you do want to try and give up or try and find a way to deal away some of those assets that you do know are those high priority assets that folks would want to even uh, either they want them for next year or they would want to have them for a playoff push and see if you can try and make some value out of that because I mean, what good is it going to do you having those same players on your bench come twenty nineteen? I mean, it's not. It ain't gonna help nobody. I mean, it's not definitely not gonna help you. So at the very least, it's try. It's it's you have to make that decision to now try and do a little bit of a roster churn and then get back as much draft equity as possible and then see if you can roll the dice next year. Yeah, my move came at the worst possible time because, like both of you are saying, if they're putting up points and they're not going to put up the same points next year, they got to go. And I fully understand that, and I do that every year, but. I just moved into my house and I hadn't been paying much attention as I normally would to fantasy football. And I finally take a breath of fresh air this last uh, Saturday and I get my notebook out and I start evaluating all my teams and I'm giving them one, twos and threes. If I'm rebuilding, if I'm competing, if I think I can win next year, but it just didn't work out this year. And the last column on my list is trade deadline. (laughs) Almost all of them passed. I'm like, Sweet. Can't wait for Larry Fitzgerald to retire and Adrian Peterson to be like third string on the Saints next year. <laughs> but, but you have to make those moves right now. And in the offseason, you're not getting anything for Adrian Peterson, even if he's still playing in the league. You're not getting anything for Larry Fitzgerald because he is going to be looming retirement. So you have to move him now. And we understand we're a little late to give you that advice. We understand that you had waiver shows and you had shows telling you who to trade for and you know who to trade away. But these are things that you need to take right now, put them in the back of your mind, and remember them for next year. So what we want to talk about next is just a little bit of hoarding QBs. And the reason I want to bring this up, it's not the exact same thing as hoarding the defense. This, this is why. If you have your Russell Wilsons or your Pat Mahomes, or it's really not going to do you much good by picking up Baker Mayfield and Dak Prescott, something like that. Because like Chris said, you can only pick up and drop so many players. Eventually, they're going to fall on a starting quarterback, and eventually he might put up 23 points. So we're not talking about hoarding the QBs so much in that sense. Here's when you need to hoard QBs. If you've been streaming all year, and you are playing Lamar Jackson against Atlanta this week. Well, he might not have such a cushy matchup in two weeks in your playoffs. I would grab three quarterbacks for their individual matchups in the playoffs for those three weeks. That's what I mean more so in hoarding quarterbacks. Swoboda, do you have anything to add to hoarding quarterbacks, or if that's a strategy that you find yourself doing? Are you usually streaming or what? Yeah, in my one QB redraft lease, I find myself streaming a lot. But when it comes to dynasty and and superflex, especially if I'm if I'm hoarding QBs, it's mostly to, like we said with defenses, protect the other guys from getting them before I do or before they can use them against me. Um, so it's more defensive than offensive per se. If it's in one QB and redraft, like you said, yes, I could see myself adding another quarterback. Maybe two, um, if they see they have a matchup where my QB1 doesn't line up to, you know, having that great of a matchup. So, yes, I could definitely see that. But otherwise, in super flex leagues, it's definitely more of defensive. So the guys who lost their quarterbacks can't get the Colt McCoys and Chase Daniels of the world. And I think that's kind of the way that you have to do it. I mean, almost similar to what we were talking about earlier uh, regarding the picking up and dropping uh, you know, defenses or wide receivers or something like that. It's almost like you, you really do have to leverage the rules and bylaws of your league in order to maximize your potential to win. So in those cases, I mean, that's exactly what you're doing. I mean, you're making sure that your 
Uh, you're maximizing your potential while limiting your opponent's uh, potential to win. So if that, again, staying within the rules of your league, I'm, I'm all for it. So I think that's something that, I mean, all owners should be looking to try and f- make sure that they have that edge at every single position. And while when we say looking at every single uh, every single position, not just your starters, I mean, even your, your bench can also be used as kind of a quote-unquote weapon in order to make sure that you can you can win your matchup and so if you have those if you can sacrifice your depth in order to pick up those players then that's how you can you can quote unquote weaponize your uh, your bench in order to maximize your potential so yeah i'm all for that all right gentlemen we have two more topics now we're going to get one more controversial one in there because you know we just haven't had enough controversy the last one is tanking to alter brackets now this one comes up because my boss today discussed losing intentionally to his wife so that he would not have to play her in the playoffs because she will beat him. (laughs) So we talked a lot today about tanking to alter his bracket. And in the end, I feel like if tanking is not mentioned in your bylaws or you could even go as far to ask the commissioner. I tell people this all the time. There are definitely a lot of leagues out there that are totally fine with tanking. Um, depending on the manner of tanking. So if you let your commissioner know and you're saying, hey, I'm going to lose this game, it's not in the bylaws, is there any problem with that? And then you get to play the four seed who's not very good, I'm all for that. I think you should take the rules literally and use them to your advantage. And then if your commissioner needs to change them next year, totally fine. That's okay. We're not telling you to be snakes and go behind people's back because it's supposed to be fun. But if it's not in the rule, it's not. So I wanted to know kind of what you guys think about tanking to alter brackets and maybe even a little about tanking in general because losing these last couple games might give you that higher draft pick. Well, as a whole, I'm going to say no to the tanking. Even if it's gamesmanship or it's not mentioned in the bylaws, um, that's just not something I'm going to partake in and why all of my leagues anyway have the no tanking rule with the clause that it's up to the commission's discretion of how it's to be handled and how it's to be defined because it is a hard rule to actually put word for word on paper. This is what you can do. This is what you can't. Um, If you're tanking to alter yourself or make another team, you know, have a worse matchup while you have a better one, yeah, that's probably not going to be okay for me personally but always always check your rules that should be the first thing you do in any league but make sure you know your rules and know what you can and cannot do yeah i'm I'm with that i would say that's one of my least favorite things to see to see players do or to see other other franchises do within a league because i I don't know i mean i guess the the way that i look at it is kind of like if you were to look at it in in terms of because we don't know how things are going to turn out uh, in week, so let's say you try and tank uh, in week 13, and you're looking forward to playing this team that you feel to be the the inferior team in week 14. But who knows? I mean, just like in the case where Adam, sure. you just said that you snuck into the playoffs because you happened to start David and Joku and Jordan Reed, and they both happened mm-hmm. to go off. I mean, you never know. I mean, that that owner could have that team that just completely blows up on that week, and then you just get hit with variance. And you're just sitting there looking at your score, thinking that, well, I scored, or you know, I just got beat by this team that I, I perceived to be weak at the time. And it's just, we think that we sometimes we think we know more than we think we do. And trying to plan ahead or even just gauge an opponent's strength based off of their roster, we just don't know how the games are going to play out. So while we might make, uh, while we might do those predictions uh, beforehand by picking up defenses and and things of that nature but trying to judge in like an entire opponent's roster uh, is is very difficult to do and with the way the nfl changes on a week-to-week basis it's hard for me to advocate for trying to position yourself to play a weaker team when again uh, i would assume uh, unless that person is starting unless that person is starting players on ir they have players that can produce on their team so it could be that they just wind up you know falling into 150 160 points because they just all their players happen to pop at the same time it's entirely possible i, I don't know like i so i would be 
I can't see myself recommending it. And I think I've seen like folks like Scott Fish and Ryan McDowell. They've they've had various conversations on Twitter, and I've seen various threads on Twitter, like having that having a similar uh, on the similar topic. And uh, it's just not something that I would advocate for. Uh, but again, if it's within your rules, and again, I can understand in some cases where people would do it. But again, I just don't see it as being the optimal play because we just don't always know how the matchups are going to turn out. Yeah, I would just say my best advice would be to manage your own roster, play the best you can because we always say, and it's the best you know the best rule you can have is just make the playoffs, right? Just get in there, and then after that, it's any given Sunday. It's all it's tournament based. It's one win you're out or one loss you're out. So just get in there and then set your best lineup, and the re- it's it's a lot of luck after that. Yeah. So this entire list has been created based off of things that I've seen on Twitter that I experienced. So I try to look at things through other people's eyes. And so a lot of these are represented off the general public. I think just about any of the controversial ones on these, I probably wouldn't implement except maybe the hoarding. I'd probably do that. But the thing here is if it's legal, I'm not going to hold it against you if you did it to me. If it's Saturday night and I neglected my lineup for that long and I go to pick up players and they all have W's next to them so I can't pick them up, I'm not going to be mad about it. So it's important that we talk about them. But here's one that I really think I'm not really too keen on, especially like you mentioned, ethics aside, you're going to screw yourself probably. I mean, karma has a way of biting you. And if you try to alter the playoff bracket – you're probably going to come out on the losing end. But it did lead for some interesting discussions today because I told him I don't think that that's a good idea. He he said his wife's team isn't even superior. She's just a very lucky person in general. And I said, okay, well, then you should probably try to play her because I don't believe that she's just a lucky person. Maybe she just has a bad team. But you, Swoboda, led into the last segment beautifully by saying manage your own team. And that's very important but some people don't look at their matchup at all. During the regular season, I guess that's okay practice. I'm kind of a a micromanager of my pretend team, so I make sure that I look at the other team's matchup every single week and and see what kind of roster they have and who I'm up against and if they're going to have Gurley Kamara and Mahomes. So we're going to talk about high upside plays for must-wins because this is the last weekend we are going to get to you before this Sunday, so you are going to be making start-sit decisions. It is important to make high upside plays or vice versa safe plays if you need a floor. However, there are ways to go about it. I'm going to give the floor to you first, Swoboda. Talk a little bit about the high upside play if your opponent's going to crush you or if you think you've got the win, maybe you go with your floor plays. Yeah, um, as a whole, I'm just going to do what I normally do in this season and play to the best matchup possible. The only way I could see myself just completely altering it is if it's like I'm the sixth seed, I'm playing the one, it would be the three seed in the first uh, week of the playoffs. Um, and they're, they're just loaded with studs. And maybe I'm between a guy like Traquan or a guy like Alshon. And, you know, maybe Traquan has like that cake matchup, um, like he did a, a week or two ago and he just went off and I need something like that. Um, then I could definitely see it, but I conversely, I wouldn't start Traquan over, uh, Devontae Adams. Let's say let's stay with him because he faces Jalen Ramsey this week or something like that. I can't get behind that because you still got to chase the absolute volume. But in that scenario where it's uh, maybe a similarly tiered player, but you wouldn't start him on a normal week, maybe this week you give him a go. And then, you know, conversely, if I'm that three seed, then I'm between, oh, I don't know. Uh, I'll use an example I saw recently where a guy was going into Monday night and he was ahead and he was trying to figure out if he would go with more of a four play in Dalvin Cook or more of an upside play in Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones may have had the better matchup on paper, but he wanted to maybe try to get the guaranteed points in case McCarthy went rogue on us again, which it could happen any week. He's like, should I go with Cook or Aaron Jones? And he ended up 
getting the advice, going to Aaron Jones, and it worked out for him. I mean, I think both scored okay, but yeah. um, in that scenario, maybe you can go with a floor play, but it, as, a, as a whole, just go with your matchup. Go with the guys you were going to go with normally. Yeah, I think um, that would be my best advice in those cases because I do think that even in these high leverage situations like what we're talking about when we're in the, you know, the, the must-win situations and things of that nature, uh, we do tend to over or even outthink ourselves when it comes to making these lineup decisions. So if you have studs, I mean, if you're holding on to Devontae Adams or you had the 1.01 and, and you drafted Baquan, I mean, you're starting them. I mean, stop it. You're starting them. But some of the other guys, yeah, your wide receiver twos, your wide receiver threes, your RB twos, like some of those guys, uh, if they're not just absolute locks or like guys that you wouldn't, you wouldn't be starting in, if to say this was week eight and you would have questions about starting or not starting them, then yeah, maybe you can look at having uh, putting in a higher variance play, uh, and that's and that's really what we're talking about here. We're we're trying to maximize the potential for hitting a ceiling while understanding that the floor could be absolute zero, or I guess even negative. I think for the folks that started Sammy Watkins a couple weeks ago, because I think he wound up with like negative points because he uh, caught a pass for negative yards. Yes, great. Yeah, which was awesome. Because uh, I played against a guy in a league that actually started him. So I mean, and that's and that's the type of stuff that can happen. But I think when you're doing that, uh, you you have to understand what you're sacrificing when you're doing that. You're sacrificing the floor for the ceiling. So if you if you if you know that or if you can accept that risk, then sometimes those plays are the ones that you have to make. But you don't always have to make them depending on the type of player that you're looking to sacrifice. So I think for an example for for this weekend, uh, a high-variance play, because I know a lot of folks are are really up on it, I mean, Cortland Sutton would be one of those high-variance plays that you would want to try and start this week because they play against the Bengals. So while he hasn't done done so much with his targets over the past couple of weeks, he would be one of those high-variance plays that you would want to play this week. So especially, I mean, pretty much all the Broncos this week versus uh, uh, versus Cincinnati. So, I mean, just to give you an example, but it's just knowing, but you're not going to wind up sitting Keenan Allen to play Cortland Sutton. Like, you're not doing that. Uh, so it's it's understanding what you're going to need to sacrifice in order to, in order to get that, in order to access that ceiling. So it's... Uh, it's a bit easier to do that when you think about it that way versus saying that oh I need some I need to put in a player that's going to score me thirty points. Well, sure, but in order to do that, you might have to make some sacrifice. But let, let's let's be let, let, you know let's be smart about it before you make that decision. Yep, I think you both summed it up great. And uh, just for a little practical application, I've got a, a couple examples of this. And then also for you DFSers, you could think about this a little bit like the late swap. Um, you're screwed going into the four o'clock game for main slate so you change in for some absolute cannons um so you know you have your josh reynolds and your your jarvis landry and say that they're penciled in at your wide receiver four you have to start four receivers that's your fourth wide receiver jarvis landry just hasn't got it done since kitchens came in and you know josh reynolds is playing against the lions okay you know that's a plan where you're about to lose this game and Jarvis has been getting you one for 11. Okay, you know, it doesn't matter that you drafted Jarvis in the sixth. That's something you can do. Turn around and talk about a question that I posed today. And I had the answer, but I just wanted to uh, see how others felt and kind of gauge others' discomfort with the situation. James Conner the last three weeks has been pretty disappointing. Shout out to Derek Brown. He actually explained to me pretty well as to why he was being disappointing because I looked into it slightly. I couldn't really see it. And to me, that's the most dangerous. When you can't see why a player has been disappointing in weeks after weeks that has previously, it's scary because these guys have normal lives too, like real lives and something could be going on in their real life. And you can't gauge that in fantasy football. So going into the fantasy football playoffs where, you know, obviously our fantasy teams are the most important thing in the world, that's pretty scary. But I posed the question, uh, James Conner, Austin Eckler or Nick Chubb this week. James Conner's the running back six on the season, and Austin Eckler just fell into a starting role in a cushy matchup. You go with James Conner there, even if you're chasing the upside. 
I understand that you did your due diligence and you listened to us and you looked at the other team and you said they're going to crush me, so I need to shoot for upside. But if James Conner's floor is 20, Austin Eckler's ceiling is 26. You know, he just hit 26 in a perfect situation. So you're not sacrificing an amazing floor for a uh, above average ceiling in this case. So I'm going to finish this off on a story as to why this is uh, important, but don't overthink it. And that was last year's championship. I had Kareem Hunt, Jordan Howard, Samaje Piran, and Alfred Morris. Alfred Morris and Samaje Piran had produced for about three weeks straight going into my matchup. This could have been the semifinals. And Kareem Hunt had that long stretch where you just couldn't trust him. He just had a blow-up game, and I'm thinking I'm not going to feed into the blow-up game. He's gone six weeks without doing anything. And then Jordan Howard, I can't stand owning Jordan Howard, and I never will because the variance has just killed me. So what I did is I looked at the matchup and I said, I've got this win. You know, I'm going to beat this team. Let me get 10 points from both my running backs and not worry about it. So I play some AJP Ryan and Alfred Morris over Kareem Hunt and Jordan Howard. I lose by a point. That's over managing on the last segment that we just discussed. And that's why you have to be careful. If we're talking about the lower tier guys, the wide receiver fours, your Muhammad Sanus or your Traquan Smith in the same uh, range in different matchups, please tweak that and, and try to get that win over those girly Kamara Mahomes teams. But if you're talking about a guy that's just been absolutely destroying it, just play your studs. And uh, that's going to do it for this week. Unless anyone's got anything else, I, I think it's been a, a very thought-provoking episode, and I'm really excited for these playoffs. Do you have any final thoughts for us, Chris? No, not that I can think of. Um, the only advice I have for everybody out there is just use all of the resources you have to your, to your advantage. We all listen to podcasts or we all read articles. That's great, um, but we all have uh, subscriptions to websites too. And, you know, I'm in the Dynasty Command Center. Uh, I'm sure you guys have at least heard of it. It's that service offered by Curtis, Curtis. Patrick and Ryan McDowell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shouts out to those guys. They're great. I Sometimes I tell people that, and, you know, especially guys in the industry, and maybe I'll get the sideways look. Like, you, you use the console service? Like, maybe you're not as good as a player as I thought you were. And I'm just thinking, like, you know, you know, maybe. You know, first of all, maybe. I don't know. But, I mean, to, to a certain extent, I mean, we all, you know, have the DLF subscriptions, you know, maybe our 4 for 4 subscriptions, you know, stuff like that. You know, the DCC isn't all that different, You and you get to talk to these guys as much as you want, really, as much as they're up for. You know, guys in there, the two guys we mentioned, TJ Calkins, Brian Malone, who's been incredible to me. I mean, don't look down on yourself because you're using all of the tools that are available to you. Use the tools that are available to you. It's your money. It's your investment. You're playing this game. It's your hobby. Use it and, you know, get as much out of it as you put into it and, you know, you'll get your reward. You know, so that's the best advice I have. No, I couldn't agree more. I think with all the information that we just get, like, constantly pummeled with on Twitter and whatnot... Yeah, I think it's good to have those tools and resources just like what you were talking about, Chris, that you can go back and maybe have a sanity check because I'll see Twitter threads going on all day comparing this player to that player where it's sometimes that even the simplest of trades or even the simplest of player evaluations, I'll go and I'll DM Adam real quick and be like, hey, does this make sense? Like, I know that I'm thinking about it this way, but I've just seen so much other shit, like, thrown out on Twitter that I just need to make sure that 2 plus 2 still equals 4 around here, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, cause it, it's, sometimes it can really be that, I mean, I mean that difficult with all the information that completely scrolls down your Twitter feed. So, yeah, I mean, you've got, I mean, 4 for 4 is a great one, DLF, I mean, uh, yeah, Curtis over at the uh, Dynasty Command Center. Uh, like, I, I'm involved with the Best Ball Command Center, the offshoot of that, that uh, Mike Beers and, like, Pano and, like, what well, Curtis was a part of that for a while. So, uh, yeah, I'm definitely an advocate for doing that uh, because, yeah, having those smaller communities where, again, you can go and, like, use those folks as those resources uh, I think that's the way that things should operate. So you, you're not just going and just looking up information and saying, oh, okay, well, because this website did it, the website says this, I should just go and do that. 
Well, no, it's it's having that conversation and you know trying to reason these things out and not just blindly accepting you know just. I don't know, linear rankings that are posted on some site. I mean, any of us can go to DLF and just say, okay, well, ADP says this, so that's how I should value a player. Well, no, I mean, like, value comes from context. I mean, value comes from production. So value comes from a number of different variables that we need to take into account. So having these conversations with the the folks that we're talking about in these smaller communities really helps us to get a better idea of how we should be valuing those players. At the very least, if they're not... Uh, if those communities aren't validating our previous opinions, they should be shaping our future opinions by giving us information or perspectives that we don't have right now, and that's the way it should be done. Yeah, I totally agree. I think as soon as you think you're the smartest person in the room, you've automatically defaulted to the stupidest person in the room, and that's why we created this show. We bring on people that know subjects more than us, and they teach it to us, and we leave the show knowing as much as them about the subject or at least close that's the entire point of this using every single resource that's why we tell every person that's a guest on our show to plug as much as they can we want you to know every single resource that you can use to win there is no i'm the smartest at this or i'm the smartest at that you can always get smarter and that's why you listen to something like this ultimately to win money but as soon as you think you're the smartest and you don't need to listen to somebody else you're gonna find you're gonna stop winning money so that's our episode for the day and i'm adam wilde you can find me at dhh underscore adam i've enjoyed the captain's chair today but chris will have it back next week and chris swoboda would you like to tell everybody where they can find you at yeah absolutely um I'm on the Twitter, maybe way too much, at the Swoboda, D-H-H, that's S-V-O, for those who still can't pronounce or say my name. But yeah, that's that's where you can find me. I'm always on Twitter. A little bit too much. I see I see Swoboda posting all the damn time. So, <laughs> or talking with, talking with somebody in the DM chat, like with the folks that uh, actually... And uh, Wildy, uh, actually, we need to have a conversation uh, here in a minute because actually the Cincinnati uh, meetup folks that the group chat that we're in, we're actually talking about uh, meeting up at the NFL draft since it's being held in Nashville this year. So uh, we were just having that conversation last night. So there there might be something that uh, we might be able to figure out. So we'll see if if there's a road trip available for all of us. And and for the folks out there listening tonight, uh, if you want to meet us down in Nashville, Phil, uh, hit us up on uh, on Twitter, and uh, we'll see if yeah. we can uh, get a get a huge group together and see what's going on in, in that respect. So, uh, but that's it for our show tonight. Uh, we thank everybody for coming out. You can find me on Twitter at Chris Allen FFWX. And thanks again, and we'll catch you guys next week. For the fantasy championship, Dynasty. hit the books, kid. Read this pamphlet called the Dynasty o- o- Owner's Manual. It's automatic. Dynasty. It's automatic. Owner's Manual. It's automatic. Dynasty. It's automatic.